our church. And um, we started off our five days of prayer with a day of fasting on, on Monday, uh, fasting on Wednesday together, and then coming together Wednesday night for combined prayer meeting. We just really sensed God answering as we were praying. And, uh, and Friday night coming together and worshiping, and then tomorrow uh, just hearing what God is calling our church to and how He's leading us into 2019. And man, I just uh, felt that word was spot on. I don't know where Dave is. And I'll see just the, the incredible blessing of hearing God's faithfulness as we journey with Him over years and years and how the work never stops. And I just really hope you feel in ch challenged by that. Some of us feel like it's time to sit down and rest a bit. Elsie's word is saying to us, no, no, we've got something to pursue this year. And uh, that's what I'd love to introduce to you in a very short, summarized form. We uh, feel very strongly as elders that um, God is calling our church to three important things. And you might see the, unfortunately, this side of the hall can't see the loving out uh, banner. But um, there are three things that God is saying. Who are we as SPC? What is our DNA? When someone asks you, what does your church stand for? Who is your church? You tell them, we are a church that is called to love up, to love in, and to love out. And we feel God challenging us on one thing under each of those loves in 2019. And the first, in under loving up, which is my love for God, is we sense Him saying to us as SBC that we need to intentionally pursue life in the Holy Spirit this year. And that pursuit is a intentional, definite word. And that life in that little sentence that you see on the screen has two meanings. We want to see the vitality and power and evidence of resurrected life, evidence in us as a church, individually and corporately. But we also want to see that translate into every single detail of life. And so as a mom or a dad, or as a granny, as a grandpa, as a colleague, as a friend, we want to take up the challenge from the Lord to see our lives become a channel for the leadership of the Spirit into every area of life. And so that's the first thing we feel God challenging us, and that's where we're going to start today. So I'm going to open up our series on the Holy Spirit, talking about who is this person that we are called to pursue as Christians. The second is this, is that we are called to love, and that's our genuine love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to remind you that God upgraded that second commandment of love your neighbor to the church. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That means we are committed to each other as Christ was committed. We serve one another and we grow in our depth of love and compassion and connectedness as a church. And the, the sentence that we feel God, that summarizes what God is challenging us to as SBC is, Building committed community. And I want to ask you, if you are attending this church and you call this church home, what the Lord is saying to you this year is, how are you building a committed community here that when the world looks in or engages with SBC, there's a touch of Christ. And so I feel the Lord, and as the elders, we feel the Lord drawing us into a new space of saying our mandate is not only to love up, but to recognize that we are planted here at SBC and we are called to be committed to her well-being, seen through the well-being of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And you'll notice that our small group ministries are key, so I'm going to paint it again. We want to, that is where community is going to largely be unpacked. And so if you are not in a small group today, 
or if you have a creative way of thinking about making a small group possible for you in a tricky life stage, or if you want to be a small group leader, we are wanting to raise up people who are going to lead the charge, and I'd like you to uh, take a look at Penny Lane. Won't you please stand? If you want to get involved in that ministry, particularly in any way, you can talk to them as well as going to the back. In the foyer, there is a small group ministry uh, display. But the last is this, is we sense under our loving art that God is calling us to know our neighbor. Now, we have two kinds of neighbors as a church. The first is, how many of us here know our next door neighbor? You want to put your hand up? Good. How many of us have seen our next door neighbor as an opportunity to share Jesus Christ with and invite into our homes around a meal? How many of us have seen our friendships with our neighbors as an opportunity for Christ? And so we want to challenge us this year to love our neighbor intentionally for the gospel, but we also have a second kind of neighbor, and it's our South African neighbor in the city of East London. We are part of a diverse different socio-economic, cultural, linguistic background of a city. And we sense God saying, SBC, the ring around your love must include East London as you find her. And we are going to be challenged by the Lord this year into how we are practically loving the various kinds of neighbors we have in our city and reaching them with the gospel. So that our church becomes a picture of our city under Christ. Amen. That when East London looks at SBC, they see a hope of a community that is unified, full of love, crossing the cultural, linguistic, racial divides of our city. When they look at us, they see a redemptive community and they say, this church has something special about it. It loves us. And the last I was want to say is this, is we, it, it has been a special day yesterday because we asked the church to say, what has the Lord been saying to you over these last five days? This is what the elders feel. Well, what's the church been sensing? Can I just share what the church shared, summarized in four main points? We sense God saying that we need to have a deeper hunger for the Spirit. Deeper openness to the Spirit. Freshness coming from the Holy Spirit. What is the thing God calling us to in loving up is to pursue life in the Holy Spirit. The second is this. We feel God calling us to be more daring in our evangelism. <laughs> we feel God giving us a deeper desire and calling our church to have a deeper desire to be more proactive in the way we share our faith. What's our loving out? To know our neighbor. And the third is this. We feel God calling us to deeper community as a church. Isn't that wonderful? Church, the Lord has united something not only in her leaders, but in the life of her people. And so I just want to echo what Dave said. The Lord is about to push us downhill and get ready for the ride. Because the last thing that the church summarized said is in 2018, it was a season of stability and God having to uh, stabilize the ship. But in 2019, God is going to move us forward. And so we need to be careful of not looking back, but to keep our eyes fixed on what God has for us to do, because what he has for us is going to be good. Amen? So it's my absolute joy this morning to open up the first part on our series on the Holy Spirit, which is part one called The Person of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
I know for some of us here that there are many different points of departure when you hear the word Holy Spirit. Some of us might never really have understood this sort of strange spiritual part of what we kind of have in our faith. And it's quite difficult to relate to something called the Holy Spirit. And there's good reasons for that, and I'll pack that in just a moment. But I want to say, if that's you this morning, you are most welcome here, because we're going to be on a journey together on learning who this person of the Holy Spirit is. The second is some of us, if you've been around church and you know church for, or even if you've been around uh, Christians long enough, maybe some of us here have had some unhelpful experiences or heard of some strange things around this thing called the Holy Spirit. I see some smiles. And for you, maybe this morning, the mention of looking at the Holy Spirit might produce feelings in you of a bit of caution or hesitation because you're not too sure how to relate to something that's kind of been characterized in such odd ways. But might I say to you, friends, this morning, the Holy Spirit is the supreme gift of the new covenant achieved by Jesus. There was nothing greater we receive as Christians, or we receive as Christians the day Christ offered up his body and blood and rose from the dead. Because what he said that we would get as a gift for those who come and put their faith in him was this divine presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That for the Christian, we become carriers of the very presence of God. Is there anything greater than that? My friends, what we are preaching into today, it's for the every believer. It does, this is not for somebody who is way over there in their spiritual walk, who's so stupid. No, no. If you come to Christ by faith, the gift, my friends, the gift is for you, and it is glorious. Now, I must be honest, I was a bit nervous preaching on the Holy Spirit, and I I'll share another reason why a bit later, but God really challenged me on this. He said, Matthew, what did I say in Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20? I've commanded the church, go and therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he says, as a Baptist church, when we open up this lovely swimming pool and we plunge people underwater based on the profession of faith. What is it we say? I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the the very initiation of our faith is into the fullness of God. And the next line he said is, what did I say? What did I command? He says, teaching them in verse 20 of Matthew 28, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And friends, today, Jesus said some wonderful things about the Holy Spirit. You read in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus explains the heart of the joy of his departure for the disciples was he was going to send someone even better than having Jesus in the flesh. Isn't that amazing? He was going to send a gift from heaven that was not going to make us feel like orphans. No, far from that, was going to usher in the presence of God into our lives and make us feel connected and loved by the Godhead. That was going to usher into a dimension. Jesus said, you've seen me do great things. I want to tell you the gift I'm about to give you will enable you to do far more, far more than what I, the Son of God in the flesh, not yet resurrected, could do. Friends, what we are talking about today and what Jesus spoke about in the Holy Spirit is glorious. Now, I want to start off today by saying this Holy Spirit, He is a person. 
He is a person. He is not an it. He is not a thing. He is not a force to be laid hold of. It's not Star Wars. You know, may the force be with you. And the ones who kind of have manipulated and, and got the skill, you've got Darth Vader, the dark side, you kind of bend things. My friend, this is not what the Holy Spirit is. He's not a force. He's not a power or an electrical current that tingles through you. He's not an energy that holds the atoms of the universe together, that which we tap into. And my friends, today, he is not entertainment. He's not a feeling. He's not an experience. He's a person. And I understand that when we hear about the Holy Spirit being a person, it's difficult for us because, Vickers, won't you please join me on stage? Vickers, as a person, we know he's a person because he's got a face. You're a Jedi Knight. No nonsense. Don't distract people from the Word of God. He's got a face. He's got hands. He's got feet. When you look at Vickers, you see a person. Thank you. You can step off. When I talk about the Holy Spirit, what picture comes to your mind? A blank? Sort of ghost? Friends, today, the Holy Spirit is a person. He might not have bodily form, but you know what makes you a person? It's not your body. What makes you a person is the fact that you have a mind. You can think. What makes you a person is that you have emotions. You can feel. What makes you a person is that you have a will. You've got, you've got something inside of you that determines things, that moves things forward, that decides. Friends, those three things brought together gives you a personality, makes you a living, personal being. And can I point out to you today that the Holy Spirit has all three things. This Holy Spirit, He has a mind. He thinks. He knows. He knows even the thoughts of God. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 to 11. It's a famous scripture. I'll read it to you. It says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. feels like this year. I can't wait to see what God has prepared for us. Ah, but in verse 10 it says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends, there it is, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And this Spirit, he has emotions. In Romans chapter 15 verse 30, Paul says this, I appeal to you brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit. Do you know that the Spirit loves you? The Holy Spirit loves you. Far from being something that is unsafe or something that is uh, going to be cruel, this Spirit, Paul says, is not not only an expression, but he feels the love of the Father and the Son of the Godhead himself for you and me. Ah, but he says this Holy Spirit, he's also a sensitive person. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Paul says, Don't grieve this Holy Spirit. Who is your seal? Who has sealed you for the day of redemption? Friends, the thing that we are going to learn about the Holy Spirit is when you start to realize He is in you through faith in Jesus Christ, and that this Holy Spirit has emotions, 
He feels stuff about the way we speak, about the way we think, about the way we feel, about the way that we, we behave in our life when we start to realize that this Holy Spirit, He feels. starts to make you think differently about the way you live your life. Because in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 10, far from being this gentle sort of meek fragrance that floats around and wafts and the one who can smell, inhale the best gets him. He can get angry. In Isaiah chapter 63, verse 10, and the King James Version says it so well, he says, talking about that first generation in the wilderness, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit, and therefore he, was, he turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. There is such a thing of the Holy Spirit being stirred by righteous anger. And the last is this, that the Holy Spirit himself has a will. And this for me is, I think, something that we have to grasp afresh as SBC. Friends, this Holy Spirit is not under the beck and call of you and me. He cannot be manipulated. He cannot be dictated to. This Holy Spirit, He is sovereign in His power and His authority. I wish He would take away that fly. But in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11... There were some gifts operating, the spiritual gifts, and we will preach into that as we go into the series. But you notice that some guys, that gift that Dave shared with us this morning, that was the Holy Spirit. And that was a prophetic word delivered from the Lord. And my friends, you might wish to have that gift, but it only comes by the Spirit. And, the God, and God in His wisdom, God the Holy Spirit has said, Dave... You are there to enjoy this gift. I've given it to you. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, all these are empowered, all these spiritual gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. How many of us here have been praying for people to come to faith and you're still waiting? Come put your hands up and encourage those around us. Good. Hands up high. Who's, who's praying this year for salvations? Still waiting, Right? Can I tell you why? Because John 3 verse 8 says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Can anybody here harness the wind? Anybody? Can anyone tell the wind where it needs to go? And I sense for us, what God is wanting to say to us as a church is saying, SBC, my spirit is sovereign, and you are dependent on his will, not yours. And so moving on, this Holy Spirit also does things that people do. He's got an inquiring mind. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, he says that he searches out the deep things. If you're like me, and you love to search things out and discover and think about, that's what he does. He loves to discover the thoughts of God. It says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, that He speaks. How many of you have heard the Holy Spirit speak to you? It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's not that He's just enabling you to hear. He speaks Himself. When last has that happened for you? The third is the Holy Spirit prays. Did you know this? In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do, not know, we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. 
Lord, take this fly away. Take it away. Take it away. Let's get back to the point. Do you know why I believe somebody who has come to faith in Christ will get to heaven? Regardless of their weakness, it's because they have two people in the Godhead praying for them. Anybody feel weak here this morning, or that you've let God down, or that you've wondered? Let me tell you who is praying for you in heaven, Jesus Christ. Do you think Jesus Christ gets his prayers answered? Do you think he gets his prayers answered? How about this? It's not just one person praying, but two, because he loves you. He's called the Holy Spirit. Anybody feeling insufficient for their walk or disappointed with their performance? Oh, I want to tell you today the security of the believer is it's not just Jesus Christ praying, but it's the Spirit. And you know how invested he is in getting you to heaven is this. He's groaning for you in your weakness. I'll put it to you. Some of us here were rescued from fire. And you wonder, how did God pick me up or pluck me out from a situation which I should have stumbled in headlong? I'll tell you who was praying for you. It was the Holy Spirit. And he was joining with the prayers of Christ. And the fragrance of heaven, I'll put something out to you that I think it's not just the church praying. The fragrance of heaven is the love of the Son and the Spirit pouring out their love and affection for you before the Father saying, bring them home. Bring them home. See to that. Overlook that with my blood. Oh, I'm going to come and help him, Father, align with your will. I'm going to put somebody in his life that's going to give him a slap and say, come back to me. Maybe that's you this morning. He teaches. Can I say to you this morning, this is the wonderful mark of the Spirit, is his instruction. And when the Spirit is on a preacher, or when the Spirit is, comes with you in your quiet time, or in your cell group leader, you start to have insight that you never had before. And he starts to stir something in you, that you start to have revelation that spurs you on, not only in just doing it, but the faith to do it. He instructs us. He testifies about Jesus. He has personal names like the comforter and the advocate. My friends, if there's one thing we need to start with in understanding is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Amen? But the second thing that I want to talk about today is this person of the Spirit. He is divine. He's divine. His title is God the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about the Spirit, we're not talking about a force or some aspect that is a, a vague sort of entity. We're talking about God Himself. We're talking about the Spirit. He's divine. And I want to share a story with you of how we know this. It was a moment in the early church in Acts chapter 5 when the loving in was so powerful by the Spirit that let's say George was struggling in his business and he needed to make ends meet. And Vickers had a property. He's in the property market. And he knew he could sell the property to help George stay afloat and get going on his feet. He'd do it. But what happened was, there was a sense of glory in it. You could have come and gone, Vickers, let's say, I sold a property for $2 million and I'm laying it here. He has $2 million, George. Who, what would the church have thought about Vickers? They would have thought he's wonderful, hey? We had a moment here where a congregant, I'll never forget it, her name was Mandy Kemp. She needed a car at SPC. This is loving out at SPC. She invites, she walks into the service. I think it was John Besson. I can't remember who it was, Matt. He says, come to the front. He has a pair of car keys just for you. She needed a car. She was praying. She didn't even know that God, that she hadn't told anybody. Somebody put it on their heart 
to give this lady a car, and she walks up and takes hold of her car. Now, I tell you what, that congregant was wise enough not to tell anybody who he was. I knew who he was. Ananias and Sapphira, this couple, they sold their property and they thought, we can get a bit of glory whilst keeping a bit of cash for ourselves. I'll tell you what happened. Came to put it at the apostles' feet. You know what happened then? The Spirit said to Peter, to Ananias, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? I just want to point out to you this morning, church, how does that change the way we come here or when we approach God? The Spirit sees all things. He's knowing of all things. And when the church gets together, my friends, the Spirit is watching. The Spirit is brooding. The Spirit is perceptive as to what is going on. And He's sensitive to attitudes. He's sensitive to hearts. He's sensitive to minds. And there is no covering up before this glorious member of the Godhead. And Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 4, While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? Acts chapter 5 verse 4. And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, For me, the more I meditate on this, and we will unpack it in our future weeks together, is in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says to the Christian, he says, Christian, don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you as a Christian? You carry the presence of God. Isn't that incredible? When you are praying, you are not only approaching the throne of grace, you're coming with the presence of the Spirit in you, and you're approaching God in the anointing and authority of this deposit that sealed you for the day of redemption. Wow. I tell you what. Let me just make this a little bit practical. Some of us here are facing very difficult work situations, family situations, relational situations. How does it change the way you decide to walk into that situation knowing you have the presence of God inside of you. Any of you feeling dry in your ability to love a family member that is causing you a lot of pain or a friend that you're needing to forgive, my friend, when you start to realize you carry the very presence of God, His very Spirit is inside of you, doesn't it give you confidence? Doesn't it make you start to realize that actually the way you live is not that He accommodates to your lifestyle, you accommodate to His. God is residing inside of you in the Spirit. And He does things that God does. I just want to magnify what the Spirit does here for a moment because I think we've got too small a perspective of how majestic this Holy Spirit is. The first is He is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. And the very second verse of your Bible, you pick it up. There's the Holy Spirit, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. He's brooding over this porridge, this mess. And the Father speaks and what do you think brought the millions, billions, trillions, planets of the universe into being? It was the power of the Spirit. Not only that, Job 33 verse 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The day Wendy was conceived was by the power of the Spirit giving her life. Let me tell you, nobody here is here by accident. You would not have come into the world unless the Spirit of God had touched you with life. But more than that, he not only does creates physical birth, he creates spiritual birth. And in John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is, one is born of the water, you know, your waters break, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The second gene came to faith in Jesus Christ. The Spirit came upon her, and that old gene died. And she's been resurrected, regenerated in her heart to all of the glorious inheritance of heaven. Friends, when we become Christians, it's not a decision that we make, we just put up our hands. No, no. The power of the Spirit comes upon us and wipes that old life out and causes rebirth, rebirth, regeneration by the power of God. The other thing that he does is this. He, he, he inspires infallible scripture. I won't do it. I, I spat on the Bible at the eight, okay? But it was because, I won't do it this time. It was an accident. I've learned my lesson. Everyone's looking at me strangely. But you know what it says in 1 Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter, come on, Vickers, show yourself an elder. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. It says, every word of this book has been spat out by the Spirit. I just want to point out to you today, how precious is God's word to you in 2019? You want to know what the word of God is? This has been authored by the Holy Spirit himself. It is his infallible. It is his mighty. It is his inspired word. And it has come through his breath. It has come through his spitting out through people across day and age, the very words of God. But my favorite one is this. He raises the dead. And some of us older people here, this is something that's precious for you. How many of you are realizing that death is coming sooner than you thought? And your body is getting all arthritic and old. And you're starting to feel, man, it would be great to have a service. Because this body is starting to get weary and tired. Can I say in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, the power of the Spirit is what raises people from the dead. And it says, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. What is Paul saying? He's saying this, the second that life exits your body, what guarantees you that you're going to be resurrected to glory? Is you're going to experience the power of the Spirit coming on your life, and what was dead will be brought to life. So a peer who's maybe closer to death than I am, who knows what God's will is, he's going to experience a glorious resurrection whilst his body is fading here. The second his Spirit leaves the body, there's going to be the power of the Spirit giving him a new one. And I just point out, do you know what exploded the gravestone of Jesus' tomb? Was the power of the Spirit summoning Christ from the dead. And on that third day, things were shaken in the heavenlies because the power of the Spirit summoned Christ. So that when he touched his foot down on earth, he came in the glory and resurrected power of the Spirit. Friends, this is the kind of Spirit we're talking about. All-powerful, all-knowing. He's omniscient. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, he searches even the depths of God, and he's all-present. He's omnipresent. Psalms 139 verse 7 says this, Where shall I go from your presence, from your spirit? Where shall I go from your presence? Even, even the universe cannot contain the Holy Spirit. It's not big enough. You can't escape him. You might think, oh, maybe if I go to Antarctica, or maybe if I go to New Zealand, maybe if I run away from God. I want to say, if you're on the run from God, good luck, brother or sister. There's nowhere you can go to escape his presence. Amen? 
He's not called the Holy Hound for nothing. He's everywhere. He's eternal. Hebrews 9, 14 says, calls him the eternal spirit. He was there before creation. And he can be blasphemed. You can only blaspheme God. Friends, one of the most strongest consequences of resisting by blaspheming the Spirit is in Matthew 12, verse 31. And so my final point this morning is this. I'm going to work my way to my conclusion once I'm done with it. Is that this Holy Spirit is a person and he's divine because he is also a member of this thing called the Trinity. I can't explain the Trinity this morning to you. But it goes like this. In Scripture, it says there is one God in three persons. And it's not the Father and the Son and then the Holy Spirit over here. No, no. They are co-equally divine. They are made of the same substance. Although they have three self-consciousses. They are made of the same substance, co-equally divine, although they are three different entities. They are the same substance, although they are three different personalities. But my friend, when we are talking about the Holy Spirit here this morning, we are talking about the member of this glorious Godhead, the Trinity. And Augustine says, who can explain it? No one. But we can only speak in order not to be silent. We don't want false teachers to fill in blanks. We don't want guys who are a bit cranky about the eternity. He says, no, no, we need to speak in order not to be silent. Michael Eaton says, you can't put it into words, but you have to say something. And I say to you this morning, do you see the Holy Spirit as divine and equal to the Father and the Son? He's not a feeling. He's not an experience. He's not a force. He's the member of the Godhead. And this comes through in Matthew 28, verse 19. Did you notice when I quoted that famous passage where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations? Do you know what he says? Baptizing them in the name, not names, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One name in three persons. The Trinity is right there. But I want to land before my conclusion with this is we need to understand how this Trinity works. Because one of the difficulties in learning to relate to the Holy Spirit is you will find in Scripture and in your experience He's self-effacing. What do I mean by that? Is He doesn't glorify in Himself. Now this is something extremely precious. Because it determines the way we relate to the Holy Spirit. And he says in John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, He will glorify me. That's his job. Is the Holy Spirit is there to make much of the rest of the Trinity, particularly Jesus. And I'll explain it to you like this. A picture of the Holy Spirit for me was yesterday at the summit when my colleague Simone was sitting next to me. She's part of the executive committee now. She oversees the deacons. And as I walked through the morning, she was out there. She was setting out all the things, getting it ready there, making sure there was ballot papers for the votes. She said, everything's organized. She sits next to me. Nobody knows what she's doing, really. Who does she make look good on the stage? Me. Sims makes me look like a million bucks. She loves it. That's what the spirit is like. 
He is the executive of the Trinity. The Father, there's headship even in the Trinity. I'm very sorry to say, if you want to look at this whole thing of being equally divine, in the, equally um, being equal, although separate in function, it's there in the Trinity. If you want to see in a household, men, if you are husbands, you are head of your home. Where does that come from? Although you're equal with your wife, the Trinity. is You have the Father who orders things and makes the plan. You have Jesus through whom he mediates that plan. And then you have the Spirit that makes that plan possible by doing it. And why do I say that this morning? There's a risk for us as we started to talk about the Holy Spirit primarily from the pulpit. And this was the reason why I, would, I didn't want to preach on it quickly. Is because when a church starts to make so much of the Holy Spirit that all you ever hear is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, and then it starts to function around weird experiences. So there's strange stuff that starts to happen so that it's about the Holy Spirit all the time and the work of the Holy Spirit. Might I just say, if that is the case in a church, humbly, I'll put it to you according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit's left the building. The mark of the Spirit on your life, hear me on this, hear me on this, the mark of the Spirit on your life. How do you know if the Spirit is moving in your life? The primary thing is how in love you are with Jesus. Friends, if you are not very in love with Jesus, it's a good watermark of knowing where you are with the Spirit. Because what He loves to do is to drive you to the one you have to look like as a Christian. Drives you the one you find your source of hope and stability as a Christian. Drives you the one who's the leader of your church, the leader that you, the body of the body you connected to. Drives you the one who points to the Father who oversees all things. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not putting him here in front of and saying when we walk into the church, "Good morning, Holy Spirit, praise your holy name." We don't do that as a church. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's not in front of us; He's right here next to us. That's how it works. And if you think you're going to relate to the Holy Spirit by making Him the primary focus of your life, my friend, you're going to miss it because He's making Jesus the primary focus of your life. So you might say, Matt, this is all confusing. I don't understand what you're saying. So can I explain it to you like this? Because one more time. It comes to being a Jedi Knight. Come on. Now behave. I'll, I'll, I'll spare you, Andy. Here's Matt Johnson. He gets up in the morning. Oh, morning, Lord. What am I going to try and be aware of today? The sense of God's Spirit. Talk to me. Say something nice to me. Morning, Matt. Oh, yeah. Okay, Lord, yes. I'm just praying to you today. Oh, Lord, won't you please help me? Just be filled with your Spirit that I might just glorify you. What are you wanting me to do today? Phone John, okay, write down phone John. Okay, here we go, all right. Yo, I'm just feeling really stressed about this, Lord. I don't know what to do. Can you just give me some wisdom about what to do about this relationship on staff? I don't know how to get these two connecting. In a... More than conquest in Christ Jesus, very spiritual answer. What does that mean? Help me understand what that means. Come on. I'm just teasing you. There's times when he's pushing me on. He's... There's times when he's saying, Look at, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Stop looking at yourself. Look at Jesus. Stop looking at yourself. Look at Jesus. Don't look at your wife. Look at Jesus. He's my helper. But I'm not coming and saying, oh, helper, good morning. I worship you, oh, helper. Would helper please help me? He's saying, look to the one that I'm glorifying in your life. And as you take the hand of the Spirit, He helps you take the hand. He helps you take the hand. He helps you take the hand 
of Christ. I am so aware of Vickers's I'll stop holding your hand. I am so aware. Am I aware of Vickers's presence? Am I aware of his presence? When he's not here, will I be aware of his absence? Hopefully. Good answer. Well done. Good answer. But he's helping me. And the way I know he's helping me is pointing to the one I want to look like. Jesus. I want to worship Jesus. Am I thankful for him? Can I turn sometime and say, Holy Spirit, just give me some insight here? Of course. Is that sinful? No. When I'm flowing with what he does in my life, there's no problem. But if I make him so much that he's more than Christ, the Spirit's grieved and he's gone. Spurgeon says, if you look to the dove, he flies away. But if you look to Christ, he stays. And friends, that's how we live. Thank you so much, Vickers. Can I say, can I just put a disclaimer out there for today? This church believes in the Holy Spirit and looks for the Spirit's presence and looks for the Spirit's voice. We want all of the gifts that He's manifesting here to be operating. We want the fullness of the help of God to make us glorify the one He glorifies, Jesus. Jesus. I tell you, when the Holy Spirit's working in your life, when you see your family, you just want them to come to Jesus. It's so much more. This loving out and loving in. I tell you, when you start to see the Holy Spirit working in your life, He'll tell you strange things about people. Just go love that person. It'll always be love. It'll always be love. Go speak the truth in love. Go make rights. How can I practically serve you? How can I pray for you? How can... That is the work of the Spirit. My friends, He has a habit of when we lean into Him, of making us look more and more like Jesus. Amen. What a joy. What a joy, 2019, this roller coaster. Do you know who's going to be buckled up next to you in the seats? It's the Holy Spirit. Woohoo! He said, I didn't think that. Didn't see that one coming. Hey, yeah, I didn't. Okay, this is going to be Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Here's the point of faith. Here's the point of faith. I'm going to honor it. Go! And off you go. This is how we live. But the one that he's helping us revel in and enjoy is the one he loves to revel and enjoy and glorify is Jesus. The gospel will be stronger when the Spirit's more at work. Conviction of sin will be stronger when the Spirit's more at work. Prayer and intercession will be stronger when the Spirit's all at work. Why? Because we as a church are called to be the glory and fragrance of one person, Jesus Christ, in this world. And when the Spirit's operating, the world smell Him. They see hope. They see a future. They see forgiveness of sin. They see healing from brokenness. They see deliverance from addiction. When they start to see Jesus Christ, stuff starts to happen. Oh, but how's it happening with the help of the Spirit? This person that we learn to lean into as divine. And can I say to you today, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about, about the Holy Spirit? Friends, we are more than just to faith it. We are to experience God and be conscious of His presence. And I want to ask you, when last have you felt God at work in your life? When last have you known the leading of this mighty Holy Spirit? I want to read to you what Michael Eaton says. If I were to just say to you, you can have a Christian faith without God, you'd laugh at me. If I were to say to you, you can have a Christian faith without Jesus, you'd laugh at me. Yet so many people seem to think you can have a Christian faith without the Holy Spirit. They talk about God and Jesus, but they don't seem to feel any need 
of the power of the Holy Spirit. So just as you cannot be a Christian without the Father and the Son, you cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. And I just want to set the tone for the weeks we are going to be enjoying this time together. Friends, this Holy Spirit is divine. He is worthy of worship. And so before we bring our opinions and, dare I say, even prejudices towards the Spirit, I feel the Lord saying to us at SPC, will you honor my Spirit, not as a force, not as something to fill your ministry, not as something to get you through something. No, no, first and foremost, as a person who's divine, will you bring your worship to Him? Now I'll read you one last quote that really struck me from R.A. Torrey, and I'll leave it with this. If there's one thing I want you to remember from the sermon, it is this. If we think of the Holy Spirit, as so many do, as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of Him in the biblical way, as a divine person, our thought will instead be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? That's it. That's the right response. Not Spirit do this, or Spirit help me with that. No, no. Our response of worship is saying, Father, how can the Spirit have more of me? That's right. That's right. So I'm going to ask us to stand today. I just sense the Lord drop into my heart this morning that there are some here that have, haven't got a clue of what I've spoken about. And I recognize it. If that's you, God's got your number this morning. Because many people come to church, they leave not knowing what we're talking about here today. But if you've recognized the absence of what I've spoken about of the Spirit, my friend, I want to help you experience the relationship of the Holy Spirit in your life. But it comes, it starts by going to the one the Spirit is driving to you right now. His name is Jesus. And the first thing the Spirit has to do is convict you of your sin. Do you know you're a sinner this morning? Do you know that? That's what God needs. Don't shy away from it. Don't try and brush it under the carpet. Don't deny it. Have you sinned? then you need a Savior, my friend. You need a Savior. And His name is Jesus. And He died for that sin. He died on a cross. And what He's asking of you this morning is saying, Jesus, I believe what you did for me all those years ago. It was for me. I believe it was for the forgiveness of my sin. Would you say that to Jesus this morning? I've sinned and I need a Savior. Say that to Jesus. I've sinned and I need a Savior. I believe what you did on the cross was for me. And when you say one more thing to Jesus, would you say to him, Jesus, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want a relationship with you. I want to live for you. Would you say that to him? I want to live for you. If that's you this morning, the Spirit has bound you to us. 
as a church. And I want to say to you this morning, the decision you have to make is, how are you going to be a part of a body? And if you're not here, or you're out of town, and you happen to be here this morning, go back and find a church. We will even help you do that. But if you are here, and you're in this community, and this has felt like home to you this morning, stay. Be a part of us. Go out there. Join a small group. You are connected to us by the same spirit that showed you Christ. But for the rest of us here this morning, Lord, I don't want us to go without just responding and saying to you, Lord, Lord, we worship you, and we worship you for the Spirit, this divine, amazing person that makes you real to us. We're so thankful for him. Spirit, I'm so thankful for the way you love us. And Father, our response as a church in these weeks ahead is, not Spirit, what can you do for us? But Father, how can my life be used by the Spirit? That's our prayer. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.